You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. Sermons are recorded at our Sunday gatherings from Melbourne, Florida. True Life Church guides people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow, belong, and serve. We hope this audio message encourages you to take your own next steps in faith. If you'd like to know more about our church or attend one of our gatherings, find us online at www.truelifemelbourne.com. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. Morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good. Um, A little bit of shift and plans for this morning. Uh, I thank you for uh, any grace that you may you may give myself for this morning. Excited things uh, coming up in just a bit. Um, Travis is going to be given a uh, missions update uh, to to follow this up shortly. Um, and he's got some things to talk about. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, we partner with a missionary in Asia. And due to the uh, nature of that content, we will be ending our live stream uh, for that. We can't say uh, some names, locations, uh, peoples, or anything, groups like that publicly. So we're going to be respectful because they are on the, the front lines there in Asia advancing the gospel um, at the sake of their own lives, uh, oftentimes. So uh, we're going to be uh, sharing with that in a bit. And in order to, for that to happen, Travis texted me earlier in the week. Uh, he's like, hey, can I, can I have a few moments at the end of the sermon? Or at the end of the service? I'm like, sure, sounds great. So I'm meeting with Signa this morning. She's like, yeah, he says it's going to be like 20-something minutes. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, which I'm excited about. That needs to happen today. Uh, so in order to do that, I've... I've uh, trimmed some sermon. We're not going to get um, much of the message that uh, we would have uh, gotten. God may have done you a favor, may have, may have spared you a, a sermon that just wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, so I, I've been working this morning, um, last minute, to try to put some things together, and, and I really feel God just telling me to go in a direction that I was not planning on going, but nevertheless, here we go. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning already. Thank you for the privilege of being able to wake up and gather in this place. Thank you for the people who you had called your own and those who call this church home. I pray that as we open your word together today that we will be changed for your glory. God, today especially, I pray that you would use your love and power to move among this people at what is spoken would be true because it is the truth. We find our hope in the life. We have a purpose in the way. So when your son, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, all these things, I pray that you, King, get all glory and honor from your people this morning. Amen. 
We are in a series in Acts. Uh, we are walking through, um, not chapter by chapter, but chunk by chunk, story by story. And in the hopes of staying in that um, series today, even with the, the short rewrite, um, we are going to stay in, in, in the book of Acts. So I invite you, uh, first of all, to open uh, your Bibles. Hopefully you have yours with you. To Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. I'll give you a minute to find that, and then as our new custom here at True Life Church, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word publicly together. Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Again, Lord, I pray for um, the instruction and execution of, of this time together, that we would um, be again changed by the reading of your word and its application. Amen. You may have a seat. If you are just joining us in this series in Acts, uh, we have covered now a few important things. Um, First of all, you had about 120 believers who were gathered um, after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they were gathered together in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and tongues of fire rested upon them, and they went out um, during the uh, feast there in Jerusalem and spoke to the entire city. And about 3,000 people that day came to know and believe that Jesus Christ was Lord. Following that, uh, they continued to do works. Peter and John were performing miracles and, and healing a man that we, we jokingly referred to as Bill. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting a Bill last week. Bill is here again. Hi, Bill. Um, so it's not that one. Um, if it was, you're looking fantastic, because um, that was like 2,000-something years ago. Um, so it's not that Bill, but we jokingly refer to as Bill, who is lame from birth, and he was 40 years old, and uh, stood there again as Exhibit A uh, when Peter and John were, were tried to, uh, or they tried to bring charges against them and couldn't really tell them to do anything but stop preaching in the name of Jesus, to which they said, no. And they won't, and about 5,000 people came to know the Lord because of that instance. And then we have Ananias and Sapphira, uh, where we've read last week, who um, we learned in the difference of giving God some versus all, and the difference there, uh, when they withheld back some, and then lied about what they had held back. And the parallels there uh, to Genesis, um, as well as the book of Joshua, um, are they've got to be at least mentioned 
If you're not familiar in the book of Joshua, after the, the siege of, of Jericho um, and the victory over that city, uh, there was a man named Achan, and Achan took some spoils that should have been given to God's temple, and he and his whole family were killed because of it. So these parallels, you know, when at the entrance or the beginning of time in the garden, at the Genesis, um, you have Adam and Eve um, failing and lying about it. Then you have Achan at the entrance into the promised land. You have, again, Achan and, and then withholding and then lying about it. And then here you have at the beginning, at the inception of the church, a similar story. So I think it's worth noting um, to not withhold from the Lord uh, or lie about it. I would, just, I would say those are two good ideas, just right there. Just I'll drop that and we'll move on. Finally, we talked about from the book of James how you know, those of us who know what we should do and, and don't do it, for them it is sin. So the two problems that come from that, uh, one was we have a problem in our, in our world, in our country today, of people not knowing what the right thing is to do. They don't know. Uh, and, and we know, hopefully you're invited into this knowing it's here is the right thing to do. And then the, the other problem is then those who know what to do it and then don't do it. So if we do know this and then do not do it, great is our sin. So we're going to pick up today in Acts chapter 5. We've read it already, verses 12 through 16. I just want to highlight a few things, and then we're going to move into a fun discussion, which hopefully will be one-sided. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Aiden. Always there to encourage me. So we had many signs and wonders being regularly done by the apostles. And, you know, I think we live in, in a day and age where we don't have our eyes open to what God is actually doing. We think, well, there's a God of the Old Testament, and that God is surely not this God because signs and miracles aren't being done. I disagree with that completely, and I hopefully you do also. Our God is a great God, and God is still working miracles. Amen? Many signs and wonders were regularly done by the apostles. Also, uh, we move forward uh, just a verse, and we find out again, uh, this is the third time now in the book of Acts, where we see that they are all gathered together, all kind of in unity, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, and none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now, you could read this verse one of two ways, uh, and, and both are, um, according to the Greek correct interpretations, but they do make a difference. On, on one hand, the way that we can read this verse is that none of the rest of the believers dare join the apostles. All right. On the other hand, we can read it as that none of the rest of the people dare join the believers and the apostles. All right. Uh, personally, I am in that camp that the people of the city of Jerusalem is what's being talked about there, that the people weren't uh, they, they, they were watching everything that was happening. They held the disciples and the apostles in, in high esteem. They, they were appreciative of what was going on. They were in awe of what was going on. But they didn't dare cross over to that other side just yet and say, all right, I'm one of them. I'm going to watch and see what happens. I'm in that camp because to this point, Luke, the writer of Acts, has made a kind of a clear distinction between the people and the believers the believers, the church, are referenced as uh, they were all together, uh, brothers, um, or the believers. 
Um, the people is a little bit different. And so I'm in that camp that said the people, the, the bystanders, are watching what is going on and be like, huh, that's pretty cool. To the point that more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Two quick things here on this. First of all, that more than ever believers were added to the Lord. We've already had 3,000 people come to the Lord. We've already had 5,000 people come to the Lord. And more than that, more people are coming to the Lord. So we see this movement gaining steam and gaining power. Secondly, is that these believers were added to the Lord. Fortunately for them, at this time, there was only one church. Not broken up by denominations, different variations of beliefs political leanings. But the believers weren't added for the purpose of being the church. The believers were added to the Lord. Their purpose in the Lord gave them a purpose in the church. It's another reminder that just God is, just for me personally, that you know my heart is that our church grows. Hopefully that is your heart also. But my heart in that and why our church growing is that we are coming to the Lord. I don't want our church to grow and then they come to the Lord. I want people to come to the Lord and then our church to grow. Does that make sense? Thanks, Aiden. Always an encourager. More than ever, more than ever believers were added to the Lord. And that should still be our prayer today. To reference Acts chapter 2, before this, the Lord added to the number. I argue that that should be one of our prayers. Praying to the Lord of the harvest for workers for the harvest, which is why I believe our missionary update in a bit will be so important. Finally, we get to this interesting part here. So believers, men and women, are coming to the Lord and watching and, and being in awe of what the apostles are doing. So much so that they even carry out the sick into the streets and they laid them down on like sleeping bags and cots and mats so they can hang out there a while because they're lame or they're crippled or they got a problem. And suddenly this becomes like probably the world's largest urgent care clinic on planet Earth overnight. And people lining up just in the hopes that Peter's shadow may pass over them. Think about that for a second. Isn't that kind of like weird and amazing at the same time? Like just in the hopes of a shadow may pass over. People also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all healed. The presence of the Lord was so palpable with Peter that even his shadow had power. Isn't that incredible? Yes. Thanks, Aiden. At least someone's with me today. That's all right. <laughs> and all were healed. Not some, not a few, not most. 
all were healed. Friends, can you imagine a church with a shadow? Hold that thought as much as you can. Again, I was not planning on going this direction. Our message was going to be called Breakout. We're going to be talking about some apostles in prison and the, the cool story, but we'll get, we'll get to that next week. Thanks, Aiden. <laughs> Somebody said, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. And in the, in the hopes this morning of staying in Acts, I sequestered myself in the office and it's just, Lord, what's your word? So reading this passage and thinking about what was going on in the church and thinking that everyone was, was healed and Peter's shadow, Peter's shadow, people just wanting just that shadow to just pass over them. I wasn't going to talk about this, but we are. I encourage you for a moment, if possible, to lay aside any preconceived notions or agenda you may have walked in with this morning. This past week in our nation, the Supreme Court took one step. And that step is victory for life. Now, statistically, I'm aware that some of the people may be in this room, some of the people you may know, some of the people watching this, may have, at any time, for any reason, made the choice have an abortion. I want you to hear my heart. What I'm about to say is not to shame you at all. You are loved here. And I pray for myself as well that we are a people who seek repentance for all the things that we do that is sin. Our God is a God of forgiveness and of love of mercy, and of justice, and truth. So what we're going to talk about for a few moments is, is not to shame anybody who has had an abortion. But I do want to draw our attention to a few things because the battle is not over because the Supreme Court said so. In fact, most likely, more battles lay in our future. The dividing line is becoming stronger because as a friend of mine put it this week, and we'll talk about this in a minute, the dividing line is not red or blue, Republican or Democrat, black or white or Asian, north or south, rich or poor. The dividing line is God or godless. To those who'd say that abortion is only political, 
I would argue that our currency says a few important things. One nation under God. We stood at one time in elementary schools across our country and read this thing called a Pledge of Allegiance. Now, yes, you can make the argument those things were added in 1950 or so. Okay. Regardless, can you deny that they are there? No. Thanks, Aiden. So we claim to be one nation under God, but church, we can probably answer this on behalf of our country. Are we? This is what we are at war with. To those who say that abortion is now only religious, I would argue that polity must be involved. Should not our laws be based on God's laws? And this is part of the conflict that Jesus brought to light in this book that we read about when he lived because what he was addressing was a people, God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, who their daily law was religious law. Imagine that for a second. We have this thing called separation of church and state. Pretend for a moment there's no separation. God's law is law. Pretty interesting, right? Let your brain go there later just to to think about. What would that look like? So Jesus was drawing attention and light to those who were trying to say that they were living by those laws, but, but weren't. And for us today... One of those laws, one of the basic ten, hopefully we know, is do not murder. In 1973, a court case called Roe v. Wade was decided on. And what follows is publicly available to you through the abort73.com. American Center for Disease Control, the Guttmacher Institute, and Pew Research Studies. To date, since Roe v. Wade was passed, our nation has stood by as 64 million abortions have been completed. 64 million. Friends, this is five times worse than Hitler's Holocaust we read about in history books. And there's no mustached man to blame. Now the CDC and the Guttmacher Institute keep different numbers and calculate abortions differently and at different time intervals. But according to the Guttmacher Institute... An estimated 930,160 abortions took place in the United States in 2020, which was up from 862,320 in 2017. For every year that the Guttmacher Institute has kept 
these numbers since the year 2000. Here are these. In 2000, 1,310,000 abortions. In 2002, 1,290,000 abortions. In 2005, 1,210,000 abortions. In 2008, 1,210,000 abortions. In 2011, 1,060,000 abortions. 2014, 926,240 abortions. In 2017, 862,320 abortions. And in 2020, 930,160 abortions. The state of Florida, our own state, records a reason for every abortion that occurs within our borders each year. You may or may not have known this. And in the year 2020, there were 74,868 abortions in our state. And what we find is that once you remove reasons like rape, incest, a mother's life being endangered, or a fetal abnormality, when you remove those possibilities or reasons why these women had abortions, we find that 97.18% of all abortions that year were elective or choice. 97%. So to those who would say that there are circumstances that warrant this choice like incest or rape or other unbiblical sinful things. Friends, do not be swayed because the numbers, the truth tells a story. And that story is that 97% of abortions in our state, our state, were choice. Not necessity. Not rape, not incest, not fetal abnormalities, nor dangerous to the mother's life. That number, 97%, would give us the total of 72,756 children, who right now would be two years old. Maybe friends with my sons, Caleb or Landon. In 2004, the Guttmacher Institute anonymously surveyed 1,200 post-abortive women from nine different abortion clinics across the country. Asking the similar question, why? And again, when you remove victims of rape, fetal health problems, physical health problems, danger to the mother's life, we again find out nationally that 92.5% of all abortions were elective, were choice. Nationally, only 4% of married women get abortions. Only 4% of married women get abortions. I'll leave that there for a second. It's almost like if we had a people who, who followed this and lived God's way and kept the marriage bed pure and saved themselves from marriage and became married, it's like, hmm, 
A lot of problems might be fixed, might be fixed. But the husband not being abusive and loving his wife, the wife equally respecting and loving her husband. Those on Medicaid in the African American those on Medicaid and in the African American community, sorry, are three times as likely to get an abortion. For those who may say, well, then it's just people who are, it's, it's young women who were abused or young. And I would argue to the contrary because the numbers say that 76.5% of abortions were performed on mothers aged 20 to 34 years. Not teenagers. People who have had a chance to know. of all abortive mothers say they are Protestant, and 24% say they are Catholic. 54%, in case you're not tracking. 92.5%. Based on the survey data from that time frame, That was an average of 1.2 million abortions per year when the survey was done in 2004. 1.2 million abortions, of which 92.5% were choice. And that would have equated to, I want to hear this, 1,110,185 children. This year they would have been 17 years old. Would have been. These children who did not get a breath, who did not go to their high school prom, who won't ever drive a car, who won't ever get married, who won't ever feel the wind, who won't ever see a sunset who won't ever hold someone's hand. 1,110,185 children who won't ever get a chance to live life or because of Jesus Christ have that life to the fullest. Church, how can we not be broken hearted by all the killing? Think of my boys. How many little ones are not here because of choice? Between Florida and our nation, 90% of all abortions were in the name of choice. And in the name of choice, we are a sinful nation. In the name of choice, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. In the name of choice, Cain killed Abel. In the name of choice, Achan stole from God's temple offering. In the name of choice, Ananias and Sapphira withheld from the Lord. In the name of choice, every sin happens. In the name of choice. Will there ever be a nation? Will there ever be a people who revere and obey God and His laws and repent when they sin against Him, who know immensely and intimately His love for us? 
In light of that, let's return to the shadow. There were a people who needed healing, who needed the Lord, who needed a body of believers, who needed to repent, who needed salvation. And these people came in droves at the apostles' feet in the hopes that Peter's shadow might pass by. I don't know if you know this about shadows, but the closer you are to the light, the larger the shadow is. This is just physics, hashtag science. It's just the way God made things to happen. The closer you are to the light, the larger the shadow. Don't believe me. Just watch. Don't believe me, just watch. All right? (laughs) Shadow, can you see my hand there on the pinanos? All right? Oh, you see that? Oh, hands so large. I do this with my kids in the home in the room, right? Make little puppet animals or something like that, like little rabbits, you know? It's not the greatest illusion ever. There's like eight lights up there shining. You understand this if you've been alive, hopefully, ever, been through a physics class or been bored in a lecture like this. The closer you are to the light, the larger the shadow. I'm going to look at this in two different ways today. First of all, what is your shadow effect? How close are you to the light? Obviously, the light I'm referring to is not my phone flashlight or these. The light I'm referring to is the light of the world. How close are you to that light and how large or small is your shadow? Because I believe our nation needs to be covered in that shadow again. For a better explanation than I could ever give about a shadow, please turn with me to Psalm 17. The shadow is written down for us in the words of David, and it's not long, but we will read it all. A prayer of David, he writes, Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me. You will find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your path. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. 
Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They have surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear as a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O Lord. Confront him. Subdue him. Deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword. From men by your hand, O Lord. From men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children. And they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. What a prayer. What a prayer. Lord, I pray that you hide us in the shadow of your wings. That our shadow is just but a a portion of your covering. Lord, the only reason we would ever even have a shadow is because of light. And who made the light? God, you did. And who is the light? God, you are. I pray that though this step was taken this past week, and people are up in arms, at least on social media, You would have calm spirits and not waver because your ways are right and good and just. And it would be a people who because of who you are and our relationship with you and your salvation given to us that we would be a people who pursues goodness and righteousness and justice. God, I cannot imagine that 64 million children whose lives never got to happen brings your heart joy. So God, on behalf of our nation and our people who proclaim, at least on our currency, to be one nation under God, God, we are not We are sinful. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. And in the battles that lay ahead, God, I pray that you give us strength and courage that passes understanding that we, like the early church, a chapter before in Acts, would pray for more boldness. And he would come to our aid and defend us.
that you would strengthen us and give us courage. We would be a people pursuing you and nothing else. God, I pray for your shadow to cover us as you have already covered us through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Stretched out, broken, and bleeding for us. That we might be covered in the shadow of that sacrifice. And Lord, we are. Not by anything that we have done, but by everything that you have done. So we give you the praise and the glory and the honor, both now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. This weekly podcast is a ministry of True Life Church. If you'd like to help keep these audio sermons available, you can support our ministry online at www.truelifemelbourne.com forward slash give. Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.